The Secret Library Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you via the Secret Library Podcast Patreon. You can check it out and become a supporter yourself at patreon.com slash secret library. This is episode 133 of the Secret Library Podcast. This is a different kind of episode because I don't have a guest to announce today because it's just going to be me. I have long thought about doing a solo episode, but have been really actually kind of nervous about doing so because the show has been founded on interviews and having conversations with other writers. But I decided after doing nearly 150 episodes that it was time to share some of my thoughts as well as setting a tone for the new year for 2019 because part of the reason I started the show was not only to provide resources for everyone listening to work on their own writing but also to inform my writing and I feel like I haven't really shared what I'm working on what I've learned and what I'm applying personally so I decided to take the leap and get past my nerves about doing a solo episode and wondering can I actually talk by myself for that long and do it so here we go with the first ever solo episode of the secret library podcast hello So I will note from the very beginning that this episode is being recorded in front of a live studio audience, and that live studio audience consists of three cats and a dog. So should there be any animal noises, I just want to put that out there right from the beginning. I will send a photo um, inside of the show notes so that everyone can see it. Um, Basically, I've long been thinking about doing a solo episode, and the reason for that is that over the course of doing all of these interviews, I feel that I haven't been sharing the ways in which doing these interviews and having these conversations has impacted my writing, and I feel a little bit like I've been hiding behind the interview process rather than sharing my side of the process. And I also want to hold myself a little bit more accountable. I feel like my bio has said, and she's working on a novel for several years now. And I decided that this is the year that I really want to finish that book. And I am extremely motivated. I don't know if any of you relate to this, but I am extremely motivated by uh, shaming, basically. So when I used to do NaNoWriMo a lot, I would tell everybody that I was writing a book. And then I knew that I would be completely embarrassed to tell them that I hadn't finished it. So I decided that I want to share a little bit more about the process of writing the book, where I'm getting stuck, where insights from the guests have helped me and have made the process easier, what, you know, what's kind of holding me up along the way. So that's one of the first things I wanted to share. And that's why I wanted to do a solo episode. I'm looking at this as my writing confession, um, which I've avoided doing for quite some time because I thought, oh, this is an interview show. I like interviewing. I don't know if I'll have enough to say to carry an entire episode. So I guess we're going to find out now. I wanted to start by talking about some of the things that I have used as excuses and ways I've put other parts of my life first before I've put writing, basically, where I've said, oh, writing, writing can wait, it'll be there. I don't know if anyone relates to this. I'm assuming that you probably do. But I have, since I was a little kid, wanted to write a book. And that has manifested in various ways. One of the things I used to do when I was really little was take 
bundles of paper, fold them in half, staple them with construction paper on the outside, and draw really elaborate covers of the book that was going to go inside. But it was always more interesting to make a new cover than it was to actually write the book. Now, I did write some of them. Um, there were hits such as Too Many Ponies, The Anatomy of a Bear, which has a line in it that a friend still remembers because it made her laugh so hard, which says, quote, every animal has its own scary way, unquote. Really riveting stuff. Um, but the impulse has been there my whole life. And so over the, over the years, I think there have been some belief structures that have gotten put in place that have said, okay, as soon as I have the perfect day job that allows me to write, then I'll be able to write. And lo and behold, day job after day job ended up taking over more of my attention and energy than allowed space for writing. So I kept putting work first, rather than looking at what do I need to write? And what do I need time-wise, energy-wise, resource-wise? And how can I make enough money to pay for my life in the space that remains once I've writing, uh, once I put writing in place? So that was one major shift that I think I have started to learn from having conversations with all of the authors. Now, many of us don't have the ability to do that at first. I certainly did not. I took really kind of crushing, demanding, long hours at, at certain points, 60 to 80 hours a week jobs. And what started the website and what started my my blog and then ultimately the show was this kind of internal scream that was happening that I was ignoring the main purpose of what I wanted to be doing for work. And I was always doing something related to writing. I was editing, I was proofreading, I was organizing, I was managing writers, you know, but I wasn't writing myself. I wasn't doing my own writing. So this is another thing that can get in the way of writing is letting your job or aspects of your job kind of attempt to fill in for actually writing the book that you want to write or the story or whatever kind of project you want to do. That's something that can happen, which will, I find, basically get in the way of getting where you want to go. So that's another thing that's happened. Um, another thing is that writing is scary. I find it very scary. And so what I have done is to overbook myself. And as an introvert, I need a lot of downtime. And so I would not allow myself to have downtime, overbook myself out of feeling like, oh, I want to do all of the things like we all do, and then be too exhausted to write. So again, not putting the writing first. Are we sensing a theme here? Because I have finally forced myself to acknowledge that whenever I don't put writing first, writing does not happen. That is the simple truth. So having, you know, nearly 150 conversations with writers who said the same thing has forced me to accept that you have to put the writing first, even if it's for only five minutes a day, even if it's for only, you know, as, um, Various people have shared, you know, writing two pages a day, two sentences a day, two words a day, whatever it takes to keep engaged with the process. There has to be space made for writing in order for it to happen. But once you do make space for it, I find that it flourishes. So that is the upside of this discovery. So I want to share more about what my goals are for this year, because in 2016, I went on my honeymoon, which was great, and I was in Berlin, where I live now. Did not know at the time I was going to move here, but I think I hoped that I was going to. 
if I'm honest with myself and with you. And I went into a pub bathroom after having been on a walking tour that day with my husband. And the idea for a book exploded into my brain. I find these things often happen when in the loo or in the shower or taking out the recycling or whatever kind of everyday activity, not when you're sitting down at your desk saying, what must I write a book about? Um, So that's how that came to be. And so since 2016, I have been in fits and starts, some periods very, very enthusiastically and aggressively been writing a book. I have had writing groups that have helped me with this. I've been in some workshops. Um, I've gotten feedback, which has been really positive. However, I have not put the book first. I have had other projects like an anthology that came out the end of 2018, like teaching writing, like I did a teacher certification course this past fall, which was wonderful. But I've had a lot of things like, you know, moving to Europe, other other such things that have come before the book. But I have decided that 2019 is the year of the novel. Up to this point, I've written about 50,000 words. I'm not super attached to it. And I think what is going to happen in the first part of this year is that the structure needs to be clarified because I've been going back and forth on the events of the book and I think I need to make decisions about that. So basically, I want to finish it this year. I can't go into 2020 still with the, and she's working on her first novel because the other thing to be honest about is this is not my first novel. I've written about four or five but I have never taken them all the way to the end where I've revised them, stuck with them, believed in them, and gotten them to a place where I'm really ready to share them as a completed draft. I've shared pieces of many of them. I've worked on stories. I've kept with it. I've done NaNoWriMo to completion, I think at least five times. But then I always end up abandoning the books because I come up with some reason why they're not good enough yet. And I have realized also that you're always going to think your book isn't good enough, that it's never going to be good enough, but it might as well be finished. So that is what I'm shooting for this year. What that looks like is that I'm going to take those 50,000 words that I've worked on and I'm going to first create a structure and work on the structure process. Then I'm going to look at whether or not any of this writing I've done so far even fits. I think some of it can, but I think I want to print it out and then write a fresh draft that may pull from that writing. It may take some of it verbatim, but I'm not attached to that writing. I'm attached to some of the ideas and the concepts and the things that happened and some of the images in it, but I'm not, I'm really trying not to be precious about this first draft because it is kind of all over the place. So that's step one. Step two is that I want to revise this draft once I've gone all the way through it. I think the structure is probably going to take me till the end of February, um, January, February, working on making decisions about what happens, what the scenes are, and then it will be about what scenes are most important, what happens in those scenes, kind of breaking them down. And then it will be about looking at, okay, have I written some of this already? 
If so, does it need to change? And then starting probably late February, early March, just writing through the new version. And then I hope to finish that by June, July, maybe into August, writing through the whole thing and then spend the rest of the year revising. My goal is to have a pretty solid draft by the end of 2018. So how am I going to do this? Um, I think that having certain things set up so that you can have a successful outcome are really important. And what I've learned from everyone that I've interviewed is that every book is different, every writer is different, and circumstances change. So there isn't a one-stop shop formula for writing a book. No one seems to have one, even the most successful and prolific writers. And so I'm not looking for that. But what I can do is look at ways that I have achieved goals in the past that have been important to me and what I need in order to get them done. And I will share a few things that I've done and see, hopefully, if these are useful to you. The first thing that I've done is I know I need accountability. So two things I'm doing is telling all of you about what I am attempting to accomplish. And the other thing is that I have hired a mentor to work with this year who is a published author and has written many novels, and they are novels that I admire. So I trust my mentor's judgment, and I'm going to be working with him throughout 2018 in order to support me and give me some guidance. So I have a sounding board from someone who has actually accomplished the goal, and I can say, is this a crazy idea? Is this nuts? Rather than just trying to make those decisions in a vacuum. So that was step one, and it was pretty clear to me at the end of 2017 that after wandering around in this book for two years, um, I needed some pretty close support in terms of decision-making, plot, pacing, just a sounding board that was informed and an expert in the process. So that's the first thing I did. The second thing I did is to figure out that I cannot write this book in my own house. I probably could have told you this several years ago, but it really doesn't work for me to work in my own house. With the exception of sometimes I get a burst of an idea and I have a... Um, I have one of those little keyboards that isn't a computer and isn't connected to the internet with a little tiny screen that you can see about four lines of. And if I have an idea, sometimes I like to frantically type a whole bunch of stuff before I go to bed. So I have that on the floor in a little space between my bedside table and the wall. Um, I learned about this from Piper Hugley, and I am, of course, as I'm recording, forgetting the name of the thing. It is the Neo, I believe, and it is a keyboard thingy. So I will put a link to the keyboard thingy in the show notes so you can find it. I believe I got it on eBay for about $30, so it is not a huge commitment. There's also something coming out there's a Kickstarter out now, or I think you can pre-order a fancier one, which of course I got sucked into. That is the free write. There is a portable free write called the Traveler, which is less expensive than the free write and I think more practical to take with you. And I was attracted to that because, again, no browsing, no distracting bells and whistles that the laptop has. And also because it connects to Dropbox because I live in fear that I will lose writing and lose a draft. And I did lose some writing once when I was using the Neo because it's kind of tricky in terms of how you save and how you transmit. So 
I, I did go for it on the Traveler, which I believe will be ready and shipped later this spring. So we'll see how that goes. But um, those are some tools that I have in place. Now, with the exception of that, I really don't write well in my house. So I have put some things in place in order to be able to write elsewhere. And so yesterday, actually, I went out, I braved the crazy weather here in Berlin and went and joined the State Library of Berlin, which is a gorgeous place, which has desks and is most significantly dead quiet and separate from my house. So I can take the metro out to this library, go and work. And I went over there and I got a ton done and was able to think clearly, which was awesome. So if you can, I think something to look at is where you work well. Um, There's something about an academic institution. This one the library where I go to is right in the center of one of the universities in Berlin. So I feel sort of like my intelligence and my ability to think clearly is amped up by the fact that there are so many people around studying. I feel like there's a nice field of concentration and effort and focus. Um, Nobody talks in there. It's so great. So if you have a need for quiet, like I do, I'm definitely a highly sensitive person. I can hear when the refrigerator is making a noise from my bedroom. One of our cats breathes loud and it distracts me. So probably not everybody has bat hearing like I do, but I know that I have to be in a place where sound is not distracting me. So whatever your Achilles heel is in terms of what may distract you, if you can find a place where that is not an issue, I think it will help because there are enough things that plague us while we're writing. You know, is this any good? Do I know what I'm doing? Is this idea crap? All of that. So to layer on top of it, you know, a construction site, like one we've had going on across the courtyard from our place, is just a prescription for unsuccessful writing sessions. So my commitment is to go at least three times a week to my library and sit and write. Um, And that's something I'm really excited about doing this year. So if you have the ability to find a place like that, it could be a public library, it could be a coffee shop, it could be, I mean, it may be a room in your house, you may be able to write in your house, you may have more ability. I also live in a 440 square foot apartment right now, which is like a tiny, tiny Manhattan sized apartment. So there isn't a lot of space for me to escape to from the aforementioned studio audience, my husband who has stuff he needs to do in the house, and other such stuff like, you know, the fact that I don't really want to write in the bathroom in order to have privacy. So that's definitely, if you have a bigger house like we used to, um, it probably would have been possible for me to pull that off there. So those are the limitations I'm working with, and that's how I figured out how to work around them. So the other thing I wanted to talk about is my goals and what I'm hoping to accomplish with this book. So the anthology that I worked on with Dal Kular last year that we put out in December, we felt very clearly from the beginning that we wanted to publish it independently and we wanted to publish it ourselves. And part of that was because the book was meant to benefit two charities that we chose and we wanted all of the money that came through from the book to go straight to the charities. So for that reason, we did not go through the process of doing a book proposal. We didn't even look at publishers Um, outside of ourselves. So that was pretty clear from the beginning. And similarly, for my novel, I have decided I do 
want to seek traditional publication. And there are a couple reasons for that that I want to put out there right from the beginning. One of them is that this is a literary novel. And as far as I can see, literary fiction is probably the least represented. And again, I'm going out on a limb here. I'm sure I'll get a bunch of comments saying, are you sure about that? But it seems literary fiction is not the biggest seller in the independently published canon. Um, genre fiction, if I was writing a crime series, if which I have thought of doing, if I was writing romance, if I was writing a science fiction, you know, more specific genre that people do tend to get excited about and purchase and find in the independent publishing space, I would be more likely to go for independent publishing. But because literary fiction tends to do best in a traditional publishing forum, that is one reason I decided to pursue that as my long-term goal. The other thing is that given that I work with clients who want to publish books, I want to have the full experience of both sides of the process. So now that I have experience publishing independently, I want to have experience as well publishing traditionally so that I am not just talking secondhand from what all of these interviews and all of the authors I know who've published both independently and traditionally have done. I want to be able to have an informed opinion when I'm helping anyone and advising them. So that's yet another reason why I want to go with traditional publishing this time. Crossing my fingers that that all works out. So how this is impacting the show? Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the show itself. And for the past two years, and we're getting up on three, we have been really an interview-based show that looks at how do you write a book? That has been a question that has interested me, obviously, since I was a little kid. So that has been the focus of these interviews, and that still will be the focus. But I do feel that it's important to get inside of a book that's happening in real time. So I am going to give regular updates about how this is coming. If I'm hitting my word count, if I'm hitting the goals that I'm sharing today, I feel that for me, and hopefully it will be useful for you, it will get this book done. So at the beginning of each episode, you can expect to hear from me whether I have done what I said I was going to do, if I got my goals done, if I'm following the steps, and if I am making real progress on the book. I really want to keep you in the loop on that because I feel that this community is really strong. I am continuously moved by the letters I get from you about how the show is helpful, about how it's helping you move forward with your own writing. And I really want to be a little bit more transparent about how it's going for me so that maybe that can be a guideline for you as well. I think a lot of the interviews and conversations we do, it's rare that someone is really inside the process. They're usually either hanging out in the middle because they finished the draft or they are, you know, post-publication and possibly moving forward on another book. So it has just a different, slightly more bird's eye view of the process. And I want you to have the experience of seeing something blow by blow. So we'll see how I feel about this as we're going, because I know it's not always going to be pretty this year, but I don't think it's good for you to think it always has to be pretty. 
I know it doesn't. I know every writer says it's not. And I don't want people to feel pressured or to feel like they're doing it wrong if the process doesn't look like a torn sweater in a cabin in the mountains and words are just pouring forth with, you know, the soundtrack of Philip Glass piano playing in the background. I mean, we all know that's not what writing looks like. So let's really break this down and look at it. The other thing is that I think I will do another solo episode, depending on the response to this and if this feels productive, about halfway through the year. And we will have another check-in and say, where am I in probably in June at some point, we'll do another one. And I will give you another writing confession about how it's all going. And then beyond that, I really want this to be a benefit to you. I want you to be able to think about what you want to accomplish in 2019. I want you to be able to share. And I want us all to support each other. I think there's a way that we can create a large virtual writing group that's supporting each other. So I am going to be launching another session of the Coffee Shop Writers Group in March, should you want to be in an actual live ongoing one-on-one group, because I'm planning on starting to draft the book for real in March. And so I think it will be a good thing to be in a live group. So I'm going to run that. And I'm going to be a little bit more transparent about how my writing is going in that group. So that's one thing you can look forward to. I do have a couple of one-on-one spots, but just for listeners who just want to stay in conversation and aren't really looking to work with anyone right now, I want to have us keep in touch through Instagram and Twitter, I think are the best places for it. I may also do some Facebook Live. We'll see. I think that may be an option as well to check in. I'm thinking about doing Facebook Live monthly to do kind of mini check-ins, but I want to start the hashtag SLP novel year. And if you want to tag that and tag me as well at Carol Donahue on Twitter or Instagram, and then use that hashtag, I think we can all talk to each other. I'd love this week if you want to tag me and that hashtag on Twitter and share what your writing goals are for 2019 and how we can all support you. We could do some live Twitter chats and so on in order to stay connected and really get our writing goals going for this year. Because I think a lot of times what's missing is not just accountability, because that sounds so punitive. It's not really about, not everybody is motivated by shame like me, but in terms of support and knowing that whether or not you get your writing done matters to somebody. I think that all of us have supportive family and friends, but they may not be writers as well. They have other pursuits that they follow. My husband is an artist, so we talk about our creative projects, but he's doing things with pictures that, you know, I can't draw. So it's really inspiring to see what he's doing and and he's not working on a novel. So we just have different thought processes that we're working with. And it's wonderful to have those cross-disciplinary conversations with the people in our lives who may not even be working on arts or creatives. They may be doing completely different things, but everybody has projects they want to accomplish. So we all have those people in our lives. But I think sometimes it's just really nice to talk to other writers and other writers who are kind of in the trenches and feel kind of subject to the thought of, am I really going to be able to get this done? And is it is it okay if it's hard today? And is it okay if I'm scared? Is it okay if I don't know if this is going to work out? 
I think it is. And based on all of these conversations I've had with writers, they all feel that way too. But it's easy for us to dismiss that and say, oh, it must be nice for them. They've already published X number of books, even if that number is one. Um, it's, it's tricky breaking through that process of am I allowed to write a book or not? Am I capable of writing a book or not? I think everyone listening is. If you're listening to this show and you've been listening to this show for a while, I know that you want to write a book, that there's a book in there. So let's do it this year, shall we? I am sick of putting my writing last on the list and I'm just not going to do it anymore. So if you're with me, please tag hashtag SLP novel year in your post on Twitter or Instagram and let's all share what we want to do in 2019 and how it's going. Um, This is a work in progress so we'll see how people respond, what time zones people are in even because I'm on Central European time. I used to be on Pacific time in Los Angeles so Doing stuff live is often tricky to get everybody on board, but we will figure out a way to stay connected. So that is what I wanted to tell you all about in this live episode today. I hope it's useful. I hope it's nice to see some behind the scenes. We have some really exciting episodes coming in the show, going back to the interview format. I'm really excited to be recording again in 2019 after a really strong finish in 2018. And thank you so much for your letters. Thank you for your feedback. It really means the world. And thank you for sharing and rating the show. This is also huge. We've had a big uptick in downloads. So I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for telling other people about the show. People have been wonderful sharing it in blog posts and sharing it on social media and everywhere. It's really, really awesome. And it makes me happy every time I see it. So thank you for doing that. If you haven't yet left a review or a rating on iTunes versus other platforms, it really does make a difference. People are able to find the show more easily. We'd love to expand the reach a bit this year, just because I think it really does make a difference when people believe they can write, which you absolutely can. So with that said, in terms of believing you can do things which you're not sure you can accomplish. Um, I have been working behind the scenes on another little project. Those of you who subscribe to the newsletter will have seen there's a little link that says to find out more about my life in Berlin, you can sign up for my tiny letter here. I've been writing an extremely irregular tiny letter. Like sometimes it's every week, sometimes it's more than once a week, sometimes there's a six week gap like there has been lately. I really need to write one this week. Often the problem is not that there's nothing to say, it's that there's too many ideas and I get stuck deciding which one is most important to write about next. So I don't know if anybody relates to that problem. As a part of writing the tiny letter about moving to Berlin and what that is like, idiosyncrasies of Germany and other fun things that I have found. I have another close friend, Tara Kalaman, who several years ago took the leap and moved from Boulder to Dublin. And I was so inspired when she did this. This was a kind of lit a fire for me because after first coming to Berlin in 2014, I kept thinking I could live here. I could live here. I kind of want to live here. And My husband and I kept coming back and we looked at opportunities. It looked like there were great opportunities for him. And eventually we just said, what if we just didn't leave? And we actually did it and moved there. And a lot of people 
in my life and so on have said, wow, that's so amazing that you did that. I don't think I could do that. And there are, you know, if you don't want to do that, that's one thing. But there are some practical steps that can be taken. So Tara and I started talking and we decided, why not start a podcast about moving to another country? So that podcast is going to be launching later this month, later in January. And I wanted to give you a little taste of what that show is going to be like. So we have a little preview here at the end of today's solo episode. So you can hear about this project. And in future episodes, I'll give you some details about when that episode um, one, I'm, I'm not sure how many episodes we're going to launch, probably a few um, when we first open the show. So if you're interested in this topic, I recommend you sign up for the tiny letter, which you can do via um, my newsletter. Foot, footnotes, there's a link inside footnotes to sign up for the tiny letter. And I'll also put a direct link if you're not a footnotes subscriber yet, there'll be a link to the tiny letter in the show notes for this episode. So if you want to check that out, we'll have an announcement as to when the show is actually going live. So with all of that said, here is the preview for our new show, GTFO Pod, with me and Tara Kalaman. Thank you so much for listening to my first solo episode. It was a little scary to do it, but I feel less scared now that it's over. And I'm really, really impressed that we had no meowing or barking throughout the entire process. So I think that's a good sign that the studio often audience approves of the result. Okay, thanks so much for listening. Hey, so apparently one podcast wasn't enough for me is what I have learned. And I woke up one morning as many of you have seen, deciding that I needed to talk about the fact that I've decided to move to Berlin and what that means and what that's going to look like. And I could not think of a better person than my friend Tara Kalman, who up and moved to Ireland a, I guess, a year and a half ago now. So we decided that it, there was a conversation that needed to happen about getting the feck out, as we say, and changing your life in a major way getting rid of your stuff, finding a new job, changing your life completely. So I want to let Tara talk first about what her vision was for leaving the U.S. and going to Ireland. And then I'll share a little bit about me and you can hear what we're planning to do with this show. Yay. First of all, Caroline, I'm so excited to have you uh, as a fellow expat slash immigrant. It's going to be fantastic. Um yeah, I uh, I wish more people would do it, quite honestly. But um, I know that we're both in a very privileged position that we can be sort of be able to make this decision. But for me, it was definitely uh, a challenge that I was looking to undertake as a family. I wanted to take my husband and my child and move someplace else and broaden our horizons and see what we're made of, you know, like there's nothing better than some travel to bring a family together and to really help sort of start exploring the world as a larger place. So granted, we just made the move to Ireland, so it wasn't that far from America and they still sort of spoke the same language, but um, here we are. It's been, yeah, it's been almost two years now and we're pretty happy here. So I'm so excited to talk to you more about what you're undergoing because you were a 
super support system for me when I was making the move. And now I get to do that for you. And we get to talk about it the entire time. That's so awesome. Yeah, right? it was it was really inspiring to watch Tara really claim this vision of wanting to try something new to put her family in a new situation and to see what possibilities unfolded from that. And I agree, it is a position of of privilege to be able to do it. It's on the one hand my decision and my husband's decision was based on, you know, we have a kid who's in college, so we're not transporting a little kid. We are transporting a lot of pets, which will be an episode <laughs> that people with animals will either enjoy or be horrified by. We'll we'll see how it unfolds. Um, but I think part of it was looking at the cost of living in Los Angeles and what, you know, the amount of work we had to do to maintain the life we wanted in Los Angeles and to say, okay, how many times can you say, wouldn't it be nice one day to try something else? And both my husband and I had the opportunity to study abroad, but for reasons I still don't understand, we didn't take that chance when we were in college. And I think we've both regretted it ever since. So thinking about living somewhere else, either indefinitely or at least for a few years, and really having that experience of looking at, oh, cultures live differently than ours. Cultures do things differently than ours. We wanted that opportunity both as a couple, as a family with a whole bunch of pets, apparently, and um, as people who have a lot of people that we love who live in different parts of the world. And we wanted to have a wider perspective and look at what's possible from a, a wider vantage point. So the other reason for for doing this show was that I loved the idea of talking to somebody who I love talking to anyway, but talking to Tara, who's been there almost two years and has the perspective of these are the things that you think are going to be a real problem, but they actually work out, or these are things you really do need to have in hand. So I wanted to have one of us on the show who has some experience on the ground, so to speak. Who's made all the mistakes already. <laughs> I don't <laughs> and know can that you speak have. to them. No, but I've definitely learned a lot. And I think it's cool because you were just sort of starting the process. And so um, it'll. I think it'll be fun to get both of our viewpoints as to what we're going through and what we're learning. Because even though I've been here a little while, like I'm still, there's still things that come up for me that I am not ready for or things that I'm kind of like, oh, I didn't think I was going to have to deal with that. And now I'm dealing with that. Yeah, it's there's a lot to learn. And I think that being able to talk about the experience as I'm going through it feels both exciting and somewhat exposing, but I think it's worth it. And so we want to plan out, we have had some brainstorming sessions and we planned out a list of topics we thought we could talk about when we said, is this even really a show? And after one, we realized we had a year's worth of episodes. And we also know a lot of amazing people that we're going to bring on for interviews to share experiences because in our conversations, we've, we've seen very clearly that there's a real difference between moving to Ireland versus moving to Germany versus moving to Japan or the Southeast or Asia, you know, other places, South America, all of the places where people end up moving, there are intricacies and specificities. And the show isn't meant to cover every single detail of it, but we did want to start this conversation so that people feel possibilities rather than sitting around thinking, wouldn't that be nice one day, but I have no idea how I would do that. So I'm just going to put that dream in a drawer. Yeah. So we and want you to take it out, take it out of the drawer. 
Exactly. And I think um, once you hear both what Caroline and I have done and are planning to do, you'll realize that it's not so crazy to think about. And it's something that a lot of people do. And why not you? Yeah, exactly. Why not you? So yep. get ready for new episodes coming soon. And, and get get the fuck out. Yeah, get the fuck out. Get ready to listen to some greatness. Boom. Boom. The new year is all about new beginnings and fresh starts. Make this the year you resolve to treat every inch of your skin to silky smooth hydration with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Butter. Rich but never greasy, this TikTok famous body butter is clinically proven to visibly firm skin and provide 72 hours of continuous hydration. Formulated with high-performance ingredients like ceramides and Andaria seaweed, it transforms dry, crepey skin to smooth, soft, and supple. Osea's been crafting seaweed-infused products that are safe for your skin and the planet for close to 30 years. Everything they make is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Start your year fresh with clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.